Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Our conversation today will offer you a look into the 2021 year-end planning guide from the Advanced Planning Group here at UBS. Some background on the Advanced Planning Group. The team consists of former practicing estate planning and tax attorneys with extensive private practice experience and diverse areas of specialization, including estate planning strategies, income and transfer tax planning, family office structuring, business succession planning, charitable planning, and family governance. They provide comprehensive planning and sophisticated advice and education to ultra-high net worth clients. So today we are joined by two members of our advanced planning group. They are Brad Dillon, a senior wealth strategist out of New York, as well as Todd Mayo, a senior wealth strategist out of Boston. So Todd, Brad, welcome to you both and looking forward to hearing about the highly anticipated 2021 year-end planning guide. Uh, Todd, I know you'll be leading today's conversation, so welcome. Let me pass it over to you. Dan, thank you. It's great to join you and, and your listeners. Yeah, the, the advanced planning, the year-end planning guide, uh, is really just a, a collection of, of planning ideas. Um, you know, we, we organize these into seven themes, um, income tax planning, um, investment-related planning, retirement planning, charitable giving, uh, wealth transfer planning, uh, trust planning and administration, and life insurance and, and other planning. So it's a collection of, of ideas for folks to consider as we roll into towards the end of the year uh, about things that they may want to do um, affecting their own uh, situations. Brad and I will preview some of these um, ideas. You know, we don't provide tax or legal advice. You know, what we're, we're here to do is to help educate, as you were saying, Dan, we educate, we help generate ideas and, and stimulate conversations. And hopefully, you know, as we go through and preview some of these ideas, uh, that will uh, will help stimulate conversations. I should note, you know, we wrote the, this year's guide um, in a uh, in kind of a wild time uh, as we look at, at what lawmakers were thinking about doing. And, and some of that still continues. So we have these ideas, but it also is important to, to bear in mind that some things uh, might be changing. And I think we'll touch on some of those as we talk through some of these ideas today. But there's some tremendous resources that, well, I think we have tremendous resources that we have um, that help uh, explain some of the things that might be happening down in, down in Washington. We've released some uh, videos um, and uh, alerts, and especially thanks to Brad for all of his writing explaining the, these uh, potential tax law uh, changes. With that, Brad, in the area of charitable giving, what are one or two things that folks uh, ought to be considering before year end? Well, thanks, Todd, and, and thank you, Dan, and uh, hello to all the listeners out there. Yeah, the first thing I think, you know, if you want to, if you want an income tax deduction for tax year 2021, well, you've got to make your gift by the end of the year. So by December 31st, um, that's when your gift has to be made to, to qualify for a deduction against your income earned this year. There are t- typically two kinds of considerations when making charitable donations. The first is where you're going to make it to is what are the assets you're going to use to, to fund that gift? And then when we're thinking about to what charities, such as your universities, your goodwill, things like that, uh, your donor advised funds or your private charitable trust out there. But I'll leave those aside um, for, you know, develop in, to develop in conversations with your UBS financial advisor and our team. But public charities, donor advised funds, private foundation, those are the first considerations. And, and those are going to be important when we're thinking about. Um, what assets to give to that second question, what are the assets? Because it, it's going to depend 
you know, what kind of assets you give to each of those kinds of organizations uh, might might impact how much you can deduct against your adjusted gross income in that given year. So, for example, in 2021, only contributions to public charities um, that's not donor advised funds or supporting organizations, you can actually deduct when you're giving cash, all cash, um, up to 100% of your AGI. That's from the CARES Act uh, that was in, uh, instituted last year in 2020 uh, when Congress instituted that last March. So that's just for 2021. You can deduct up to 100% of your adjusted gross income only if you give cash to a public charity that is not a donor advised fund or other supporting organization. So it's something to watch out for. But for donor advised funds, uh, cash gifts get 60% deductibility against your adjusted gross income. And for private foundations, cash gifts get the 30% adjusted gross income deductibility. Uh, if you're giving appreciated property, um, you, to public charities or donor advised funds that you get a 30% um, deductibility against your adjusted gross income. And then for private foundations, that drops to 20%. So these considerations of to where and how much uh, are assets really do uh, impact one another when we're thinking about how much you give, what are the assets, and where to give it to. So those are some of the considerations to look out for this year. So those are some of the considerations, I think, around charitable planning uh, for year-end. Great. Thank you. Yeah, really, really valuable ideas. Um, it, how about in the area of uh, retirement planning? Uh, some uh, ideas there that folks should be considering? A couple of those there, too. Um, the first one is, is straightforward, just to review your beneficiary designation forms. Retirement uh, plans and accounts are, are these kinds of assets we call non-probate assets. That means they don't flow through your will. Your will doesn't say where they go. Instead, your beneficiary designation form indicates the beneficiaries of those retirement funds upon your death. So I would just, I always encourage clients to review those uh, beneficiary designation forms on file with each of their uh, account providers, those retirement account providers and institutions so that you make sure that the beneficiaries on those forms are uh, aligned with uh, who you, you know, who you want them to be. Uh, and, and I'd work with your UBS financial advisor on some of those things because sometimes it may make more tax sense to name certain individuals over others. Um, that's the first consideration. The second one is just maximizing your contributions. If you're giving to a 401k, a 403b, uh, you know, a governmental and non-governmental 457b plan, if you're under the age of 50, you can give $19,500 this year up to December 31st. If you're more than 50, you can give $26,000 unless it's a non-governmental 457b, then it stays in $19,500. And if you're giving to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, you can give up to $6,000 if you're under 50, over $57,000. But you have until April 15th, actually, of next year to make those kinds of gifts. And if you, if you are, you make too much income to give directly to a Roth, then you might want to consider some of these you know, backdoor Roth conversions. If your income's too high to make a Roth IRA, IRA contribution directly, deductible contribution to a traditional IRA, and then convert the funds in the traditional account to a Roth IRA. Again, this is called a backdoor Roth conversion. Moreover, and this may be the last year you can do this. This is one of the things on the chopping block in Congress, potentially, that may be instituted as soon as next year under the legislation being considered in D.C. But an employee, at least in 2021, may be able to convert after-tax amounts in their Roth 401ks or alternatively roll over after-tax amounts into a Roth IRA. This strategy known as, is known as a mega backdoor Roth conversion, so something else to look out for, um, as this may be the last year we, we can do that. 
Uh, and, and then a couple of other quick considerations. If you uh, have an IRA, a profit sharing plan, a 401k, a 403b, a 457b, and you turned 72 last year in 2020 or 70 and a half before January 2020, um, then you may, you, you've got to start taking what are called required minimum distributions from those kinds of accounts. Again, those IRAs, profit sharing plans, 401k, 403b, 457b. And, and those, those are going to be considered ordinary income to you. So these might impact your adjusted gross income for the year, which may again feed into the other conversation around your charitable planning. And so you may want to consider you know, working with your tax advisors, your accountants, your UBS financial advisor to determine what your income might look like this year, uh, particularly if you factor in your RMD to consider your charitable contribution deduction limitations. And then finally, if you have attained to that age where you are required to take uh, minimum distributions and you're charitably inclined, you might consider making what's called a qualified charitable distribution. Under the rules for these so-called QCDs, you generally can do donate up to $100,000 from a traditional IRA to one or more charitable organizations. Although you don't get an income tax charitable deduction for the QCD, the amount of the distribution is excluded from your income for income tax purposes, but it still counts towards your RMD for that year. Um, so that's something to watch out for as well. And I know I'm supposed to turn it back over to you, Todd, to talk about some of the income tax considerations this year. What are what are some of the top uh, one or two things people should be considering before year end as it, as it relates to their income taxes? Yeah, I think probably at the top of that list, um, I would put um, accelerating income. You know, folks might want to consider accelerating income into this year to the extent that they can. And they might want to do that if they're, you know, they look at their situation, their income this year is likely to be less than it will be next year, and thus they would be in lower lower tax rates. You know, the other thing to consider there, too, in terms of the tax rates, um, the lawmakers are looking at expanding the net investment income tax. Um, uh, this expansion um, would affect high net, uh, high income uh, earners, uh, folks generally uh, over $400,000 of, of income. Um, and expanding that 3.8% tax to include pretty much um, all non-wage income. So that could affect some folks and might uh, be a reason uh, to try to bring some capital gains, for example, into this year and recognize it this year rather than, than next year. It requires some close analysis, um, but it's something to think about. Um, in addition, um, as a part of the, the tax proposals that uh, Congress um, is considering, you know, there are two surcharges um, uh, that are included in the most recent version of the bill. Um, there's a 5% surcharge that applies to modify the adjusted gross income. And this is the case of, of uh, individuals when they have more than $10 million of modified adjusted gross income. And then there's an additional 3% um, surcharge for income over uh, $25 million, modified adjusted gross income over $25 million. So, you know, for folks that might be subject to those surcharges, you know, accelerating income into this year and avoiding those surcharges uh, could be attractive. Um, you know, so there's some thinking around there. Conversely, you know, it may make sense to defer some, some deductions. Um, you know, maybe, for example, on the charitable side, um, it's going to be more valuable to take a deduction next year than this year. Again, you know, it's very fact specific. Uh, Got to look at, you know, what the different 
levels of income are expected to be this year and next year and, and what the different tax rates are this, uh, this year and next year. So two, those are two ideas. A third, and this is really kind of a perennial, so this kind of third being a bonus, um, is harvesting tax losses. Looking to use capital losses to offset capital gains. Um, and to the extent that you have excess capital losses, you can use those to offset up to $3,000 of other uh, income. You know, if you sell security in order to realize a capital loss, you can't immediately purchase the same security. There's a wash sale rule that limits that. Uh, and so that's an important consideration uh, you know, as you might be uh, thinking about doing some tax loss uh, harvesting. So those are, those are some quick ideas on the income tax front. Great. Uh, thanks for that. That sounds like a, a lot. And I know even those wash sale rules are subject to potential modification or the rules going through D.C. as we speak. And as you mentioned earlier, it's, it's obviously been a wild ride this year with some of those potential tax law changes, especially as it relates to wealth transfer planning. So now that we're in the final ending of the year and things do seem to have calmed down a bit in D.C., at least on the wealth transfer planning front, what is the advanced planning group encouraging clients to consider as it relates to transferring their wealth? Yeah, it's really, really, you know, I'm going to pick two perennial ideas. Uh, and the first um, is, uh, you know, consider reviewing your estate plan. You know, it's just good to do a kind of a check-in with your plan um, on a regular basis. And, and you know, before year-end is a great time to do that. You know, make sure that your plan continues to reflect your 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 wishes, goals, you know, your situation. Uh, because things change. Um you know, birth, death, marriages, divorces, you know, a lot of time good planning, you know, is going to contemplate that. But sometimes, you know, there, there are changes that, that you might want to consider um, because of, of those life uh, changes, changes in financial circumstances. Um, you know, the individuals or pers- other persons you've named in different roles, you're, you know, you may want to look at whether the right people are in the different roles. It's just a good idea on a regular basis to review your estate plan. You know, it's a long line, Brad, a long line to deal with what you were saying in terms of checking your beneficiary designations. You know, that's a part of it. So that's one. The other perennial is, uh, idea is, you know, consider making gifts. Um, you know, right now, you know, the lifetime uh, exemption is $11.7 million per person. This is for uh, folks that are considered U.S. persons for state tax purposes. That is, looks like it's going to be 12, just over $12 million next year once you adjusted for uh, inflation. Um, that had been a part of the um, discussion earlier this year, uh, that it looked like uh, lawmakers were going to accelerate a reduction in that exemption amount. Because uh, it's supposed to get cut in half, roughly cut in half, at the end of 2025, uh, lawmakers had proposed moving that up so that the um, that cut would occur at the end of this year, um, in which case we would have been looking at a six million dollar exemption. Um, but they took that out of the out of the bill, and uh, it doesn't look like it's coming back. Um, although things can, uh, you know are still in flux down in, in DC, so. Uh, making gifts, using up your lifetime exemption to the extent that you're comfortable doing that. In addition to the big lifetime gifts, you know, they're the annual exclusion gifts. And right now that's, you know, $15,000 per person. Uh, you can make that, uh, uh, that gift to as many uh, individuals as you want. Um, you know, a married couple, you know, between the two of them, that's can give away um, $30,000 uh, per individual. Those are really two of the kind of perennial ideas. For folks that have even further wealth, you know, the planning tools that, you know, we've looked at before, you know, spousal lifetime access trust, your revocable life insurance trust, sale to grantor trust, uh, grantor retained annuity trust. These are different 
types of, of strategies that we have. And, and, you know, from some folks, it may make sense to look at, at doing those. Um, and thankfully, it looks like those were all the uh, strategies that we'll be able to continue to use going forward. But those are more, get, start to get more involved. And we've got some resources, some white papers and, and other materials that go into a lot of these in more depth. So in addition to our year-end planning guide, which is a, just, as I mentioned, a collection of ideas, there's a lot of these uh, different topics where we have some resources that go into, into further depth. So those are that's what I have uh, there on the wealth transfer planning side. Brad, any final thoughts? I'm just sitting here looking actually at our year-end planning guide that, that you and your team put together, Todd. There's a lot of stuff that we've covered on this uh, on this podcast. There's a lot of stuff we have, investment-related planning, managing concentrated stock positions, 529 accounts, all the life insurance planning. There's a lot here. So if you want to take a look at this, guide. Uh, you can get in touch with your UBS financial advisor. They can send it right over. And if you uh, have been listening in and you're wondering about all the confusion around some of the tax changes, you can also check out UBS.com slash tax plan 2021, where you can, instead of just hearing mine and Todd's voices, you can actually see our faces on some of the videos, uh, presentations that we put together around some of the content around those tax changes. So with that, I think that I will I'll sign off and, you know, everyone here on this call and from the UBS Advanced Planning Group and UBS as a whole, wish you and your family a very happy holiday season. Well, Brad, Todd, thank you very much for spending some time with our clients, our listeners, and for walking us through the 2021 Advanced Planning Year-End Guide. I will point out for our clients listening in, if you would like to receive a copy of the guide directly, or if you would like to learn more about what Brad and Todd covered with us today, please do not hesitate to contact your UBS financial advisor. The UBS Conversations podcast channel is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.